Thanks for listening to the Journey Christian Church podcast. We're on a mission to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. Our prayer is that this message encourages you today. And remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible. We're in a series called Next Steps into a New Normal. And we're learning together how to take intentional, accessible, concrete steps to live as disciples and followers of Jesus because no matter where you are on your journey, there is always a next step to take when you're following Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, we started by talking about the step of worshiping faithfully because the revelation of Jesus in worship is the basis of the motivation to follow Jesus in discipleship. So it starts in worship. Last week, we talked about the very important step of being with Jesus daily because our being with God sustains our doing for God. This week, we're talking about connecting in community together and regularly. So I want to start with a very simple question. You ready for it? Here it is. Are you happy? That's an easy one to start out with, don't you think? There's actually a publication called the Journal of Happiness Studies. And they're trying to use tools of research to figure out what it is that makes human life flourish. What produces profound joy in people? And when they look at what distinguishes very happy people from less happy people, they find there is one factor, there's one difference that consistently separates these two groups. And here's what we're going to do before we dive into this. I'm going to ask you, if you would, for just a moment to turn to someone next to you that you know, again, you feel safe connecting with. Same, do it at Lake County. Do it online as well and see if you can guess what this one factor is. What's the one factor that distinguishes more happy people from less happy people? I'm going to give you 10 seconds. Go ahead and go. All right, I'm going to tell you what it is. You ready? I'm going to tell you what it is. And you can see whether the you or the person next to you got it right. It's not income. It's not how much money you have. It's, it's, it's not health. It's not what kind of shape your body's in. It's not security. It's not attractiveness. It's not IQ. It's not career success. What distinguishes consistently happier people from less happy people is the presence of rich, deep, joy-producing, life-changing, meaningful relationships with other human beings, spending meaningful time with people that we care about and who care about us is absolutely indispensable to human flourishing. A guy named Robert Putnam wrote a book several years ago titled Bowling Alone. Some have called it the most influential analysis of social well-being of our times. This is one of the things Putnam writes in the book. He says, the single most common finding from a half century's research on life satisfaction, not only from the U.S., but around the world, is that happiness is best predicted by the breadth and depth 
of one's social connections. Meaningful relationships provide a sense of well-being that is essential to a fulfilling life. Now, there is a word to describe this kind of relational flourishing in the Bible. It's a great word, but you're probably going to be really underwhelmed by it. That word is fellowship. And you rarely hear that word outside of a church because when we hear that, it conjures up this idea of having churchy small talk with churchy snacks in a churchy setting. But in the early church, it was not so. In the early church, they had such a profound experience of honest, reconciled, barrier-transcending life together that they had to find a word to describe it, and so they adopted a little used Greek word called koinonia, because they needed a way to describe this radical kind of sharing and participation and communion and generosity and identifying with, which meant if you become a part of this family, unlike any other human community that has ever existed, you were never alone. When someone goes through heartbreak or loss, And people, without being asked, bombard them with food and visits and cards and gift cards and errands getting run and help being given. That is koinonia. Or when somebody's without a job or without a home or struck by a crisis and they don't have adequate financial resources and a brother or sister in Jesus steps forward and says, I can help and I would consider a joy to do so and resources get shared and generosity flows without it even being requested. That is koinonia. Or when somebody's going down the wrong track and they're making some big mistakes and a deeply loving friend in Christ says, I care for you too much to silently watch you self-destruct and they courageously speak truth in love, that is koinonia. Fellowship is the practice of engaging in common activities like worship, learning from the scriptures, praying, sharing, confessing, and serving with other disciples of Jesus for the purpose of our mutual growth together in the community and for the blessing of other people outside of our community. That's at the heart of Christian fellowship, Christian community. Dallas Willard once said this uh, great statement. He said, personalities united can contain more of God and sustain the force of his presence than scattered individuals. Another writer, kind of picking up on that theme, says Christians are like little pieces of charcoal in a, in, in, in a fire. We can sustain the fire of God's presence when we're together, but when we get isolated and when we get separated from fellowship, we can quickly lose our glow and our warmth. Now, the most powerful and gripping description of this kind of fellowship is found in the New Testament book of Acts, the second chapter. It's a very famous chapter, actually, about the church. And what we're going to read became the new normal for how human beings do life together in Jesus. So Luke writes about it in 
Acts chapter two, let's pick it up in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's a tremendous passage. This is a picture of life in a gospel-centered community. This is what Jesus had in mind when he told his disciples to make disciples that love God, love people, and serve the world. There is so much that we could say about the character of Christian fellowship based on this passage, but I'm only going to talk about a couple of things, and then here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk very practically about some next steps for getting into groups and into community. There are two observations that I want to focus on, one at the beginning of the passage and one that comes toward the end, and I'm actually going to start with the one at the end where it says this, they ate together. Now, eating together has been an important part of Christian fellowship from the very beginning, and we all said amen to that, right? But let me tell you something, just because you eat with someone, even a Christian, doesn't make it fellowship. Note that the text says they ate with glad, and what kind of hearts? Say that word out loud with me. Say it one more time. So the first observation we pull out of this is fellowship requires authenticity. Fellowship requires authenticity. People were so gripped by the good news that Jesus gives grace and forgiveness for their sins that when they came together and ate, they came out of hiding. They got real about their struggles and their temptations and their sin. And they were able to say, here's the truth about me. And as C.S. Lewis put it, it is at that moment when someone else says, you too, that the bonds of fellowship are formed. Authentic Christian fellowship is where who we are on the outside is the same as who we are on the inside. Ironically and sadly, and too often, Churches engage in fake fellowship where people smile and are polite and superficial and pretend like everything's fine and everybody likes everybody and everybody votes the same way and everybody shares the same exact views and nobody has any doubts and everybody's children are perfect. That is not gospel fellowship. Fellowship does not mean pretending to be more spiritual than you really are. Fellowship does not mean shifting into superficial, safe, religious small talk. Authentic fellowship means you keep it real. And part of keeping it real means you own your own mess because one of the things we say around Journey a lot is what? Nobody's perfect. Amen. One of the most striking features of the original disciples' fellowship is how messed up they were. Peter, the leader of the group, 
denied Jesus. Judas, the treasurer of the group, betrayed Jesus. Thomas doubted Jesus. James and John self-promoted to Jesus. Martha tried to order Jesus around. Mary Magdalene had a scandalous sexual past. Zacchaeus cheated his own people out of their money. Paul persecuted Jesus' followers. You see, Jesus was famous for engaging in table fellowship with all kinds of sinners. The accusation against Jesus was what? He eats with sinners. And as we read the New Testament, we see that people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. And I think that maybe that was the case because they could be real with him while the religious people they knew so often postured and pretended. And I want to tell you something. Take a look at this. Religious posturing kills fellowship. Religious posturing kills fellowship, sometimes literally. Not long after the church got started, we read about the first two people who tried to pretend and posture a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. They pretended to be more generous than they really were to get other people to think highly of them. And they both dropped dead, we read about in Acts chapter 5, because pretense will kill authentic community in a church. On a human level, we often think getting real is dangerous and pretending is safe. But with God, or with dealing with some kind of an addiction, or with just with struggling and sin in general, getting real is what is safe, no matter how much it might hurt, and pretending is what is fatal, no matter how good it might feel. Fellowship is raw and real and honest and hard and messy. It involves risk. And we'll only do it where we are made safe. And not even primarily by each other, but by God, by the love and grace and mercy of Jesus. The English word translated sincere in this passage was actually a combination of two Greek words. The words for sunlight and the words or the word for judge or discern. Literally, sincere meant to be judged or tested in the sunlight. You, you see, you can't hide in the sunlight. You ever think you got your house really clean? And then a piercing beam of sunlight just comes through the window, and what's it reveal? It reveals all those little dust particles just kind of floating through the air, right? It's ironic in our world, intimacy is often thought of as something that happens in the dark behind closed doors. In biblical language, darkness is where we hide stuff. One of Jesus' disciples named John put it like this. He said, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have what? Fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim we have not sinned, and we got it all together, and we're all good. We make him out to be a liar, and the truth has no place in us, and we kill fellowship. The blood, the death, the sacrificial love of Jesus on the cross has cleaned me up in God's eyes way beyond what I could ever do so I can come out of darkness into true intimacy and walk in his light together with you. That's where authentic fellowship starts very quickly. Let me get to the second observation. Fellowship requires commitment. Fellowship requires commitment. The beginning of this text in Acts 2 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to 
fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, the apostles' teaching was all about the life and message and death and resurrection of Jesus. And that's what we devote ourselves to as we read and teach the scriptures so we can renew our minds. Really, this entire passage of Acts chapter 2 is about their devotion to the fellowship because they're involved in all these activities of learning and eating and praying and sharing together. But here's the key. Fellowship does not happen by accident, especially in our culture. Nobody drifts into it. No one stumbles into a life of faithful, life-giving fellowship. Fellowship is not accidental. It is intentional. It's intentional. This is one of the most remarkable and countercultural aspects of this passage of the fellowship. It says every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Every day. It doesn't say they continued to meet together in the temple courts when they felt like it. Let me ask you a question. Do you think everybody in the church felt like meeting in the temple courts every day? Do you think they never came up with excuses for not showing up? And think about this. They were meeting in the Jewish temple. It wasn't even a Christian setting. They didn't even play the right kind of music. How did this happen? They devoted themselves. If I do, two things. If I devote myself to fellowship, I will lose the freedom to do whatever I want with my time wherever I want. I promise you that. If you devote yourself to fellowship. But I promise you, if you don't devote your fellow, yourself to fellowship, you'll lose the freedom to be truly known and loved and healed and walk together side by side in a great cause. You'll never know that if you don't devote yourself to fellowship. They devoted themselves to this fellowship And people really did this. And they have done it across the centuries in all kinds of contexts. And not because somebody in charge harassed them, not even because God said they had to or that they got in trouble. No, but because they knew they were part of a movement that was changing their lives and changing the world around them. And the more they devoted themselves to it, the more they learned and prayed and shared and struggled and cared and loved and the more they received from it. I'm telling you, when you devote yourself to the fellowship and to the practice of certain basic activities together with other folks, God will work in your life because personalities united can contain more of God and sustain the force of his presence than scattered individuals. Let me tell you a couple of stories before we launch into another section here. John Ortberg, my, one of my favorite writers, tells a true story about being in a small group years ago. And he said there was a young woman who was very, very unchurched. And so prayer was new territory for her. And she had had a boyfriend that was abusive and foul-mouthed, and he'd taken her money, and he cheated on her, and he abandoned her. And Ortberg said they were all praying together for the very first time in their group, and she was so troubled by what her ex-boyfriend did to her, she just blurted out, God, I want you to kill him. That was her first prayer. God, I want you to kill him. And another woman in that small group who was very churchy prayed, oh, no, God, we don't want you to kill him. We want you to save him. We want you to forgive him. And the first woman said, no, we don't. No, we don't, God. (laughs) Then he'd get away with it. This is my prayer, and I want you to kill him. And Ortberg said for a few moments, it was like doodling prayers. 
back and forth between these two women. And he said, no one teaches this, this kind of thing in seminary. I mean, do, do their prayers kind of cancel each other out? Does somebody have like a tie-breaking prayer? He says, it took time and honesty and acceptance and love and commitment from all involved in the group. And eventually, the first woman got past the killing prayer to your will be done prayer. But that's authentic, messy, committed community. Here's a statement I don't, I don't fully understand, but I know it's true. And you know it's true too. Here it is. Shared suffering, not just suffering, shared suffering has a strange power to help us heal. Shared suffering has a strange power to help us heal. It was Christmas morning, 1998, Russ Robinson and his family climbed into their motor home. They were leaving the frigid winter climate of Chicago for the warmth of Phoenix, Arizona. Russ and his wife took turns driving all day and into the night while cruising along in the darkness on a stretch of desert interstate highway. The headlights of their RV suddenly revealed a woman dressed in black walking in the middle of the road. Russ swerved, but it was too late. The motorhome crashed into the woman. Her head hit the windshield. Her body smashed into the right side of the vehicle, tossing her into the ditch. Later, it was discovered that the woman had been drunk and was attempting to commit suicide. Despite the horrific collision, she survived, but Russ Robinson was devastated. He pulled off the road, he dialed 911, and he nearly went into shock. Seconds later, he phoned a friend in his small group back in his church in Chicago. Then his wife called someone from her small group in Chicago, and those two groups gathered together to pray for the Robinsons. And Russ writes, their prayer support helped me begin the road to emotional recovery. My community listened during long conversations while I tried to process confusing emotions. When I wrestled with God, seeking to make sense of the experience, people offered reassurance and other help. I needed people to pray with me and for me. And I came to know what it was to have someone weep with those who weep. I experienced, he said, how the body of Christ can extend real personal hands to someone in pain. And then Russ Robinson concludes his story by saying this. Here's his statement. You need to invest in community today so you can reap the benefits during tomorrow's season of deprivation and loss. Friends, the time to build community is now. And maybe, maybe right now, Lake County, online, Apopka, maybe right now you're not in crisis. Maybe you're feeling pretty self-sufficient today. Maybe life's working really good for you right now, but I'm gonna make you two promises. The first is this, there will come a day. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but the day will come when you realize how much you need people. You cannot survive alone. A bursting heart, a dancing heart, an achy breaky heart will require people to come and stand by you. But here's a second promise I wanna give you. Even if you think you don't need anybody, somebody needs you. Somebody needs your prayer. Somebody needs your encouragement. Somebody needs your perspective. Somebody needs your touch, your shoulder, your support, your caring. 
It's a strange truth when you offer community and support and caring, you also receive it. And that's exactly what we have heard happens time and time and time again when people experience rooted. Take a look at this video. Hi, Journey family. My name is Doug Leonard, and I was fortunate enough to be able to lead a rooted group back in January through March of this year. I have with me Kenny Armstrad, who's a good friend of mine now who participated in the program. Also, Michael Menegat, who's here with me. I had Karen Hobbs as a co-leader, and she really did a fantastic job of helping pull things together because it was my first time leading a rooted group. We end up having an online rooted group uh, for various reasons that certain people couldn't participate in person. And this has been a great experience for me leading that. In December, my wife and I talked about, you know, we had some troubles with our marriage. I, I wasn't a great husband. I wasn't a, a really good father. I thought I was, I was doing the best I thought I could. And we talked about getting involved in the church again. So the first Sunday of this year, I came home from the fire department and my wife said, I found a church, it's right around the corner, get dressed. They talked about Rooted, our very first service. That week, she's like, we're doing it, we're all in. And I, I, I learned so much about myself. I'm a better father, I'm a better husband. Um, you can talk to anybody that knows me, that's known me forever, they'll tell you I'm a better man. It was a wonderful experience. There were seven men, I mean seven women and five men involved in this group, and uh, it was a great experience. Rooted is an opportunity to develop a deeper relationship, taking the next step to develop a deeper relationship with God, and that's exactly what happened. We had one woman in our group who was silent for six weeks, approximately six weeks. We let her be, and in her time, in the seventh, eighth week, she told us that she wanted to get baptized. She went into that tub and she came out of that baptistry a new person. This year, my wife, probably a month into coming to church, she said, I'm getting baptized. She got baptized on our anniversary, February 14th, Valentine's Day. We attended service, both my daughters. You know what, we're getting baptized. And I decided one Sunday too that, you know what, I'm doing it. And I got baptized this year myself. I know this. Everybody's welcome. None of us are perfect, and everything's possible with the Lord Jesus Christ at your side. Rooted is a great place to jump off and start getting connected with the church, getting connected with people that can care about you, can love you, that you can build a relationship with, and it makes you feel more comfortable going to church to be able to say, I know you, I know you. We do these cardboard testimonies, and I've seen so many of them where people have said that they've come in one way. For instance, I came in here because I was lost. I came in here because I was suicidal. I came in here because I needed help. And they flipped that cardboard testimony over saying, I found what I was looking for in Christ. If you're looking to find what you're looking for, then you need to go to a rooted program where you can dwell deeper into your life, what Christ can do for you and what it will ultimately mean for you and your family. That's what I found out by being in rooted. Amen. I never get tired of hearing stories like that. That's just so awesome. Amen. Um, hey, join, uh, uh, join me in welcoming Pastor Randy Green. Would you uh, welcome Pastor Randy? 
Pastor Randy uh, oversees ministries like Rooted and groups, the uh, Get a Life Group uh, uh, shirts and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exa- exactly. So uh, Pastor Randy helps us with that. And Randy, I did, let's just say at the very top, your family experienced that community support in your recent uh, family's struggle with COVID. Yeah, I mean, big time. Um, Thank you, Journey Church, for all the prayers, um, for all the, the food that you offered to not just to my family, but to Austin and Amber and Crystal and just all, all of our family, because we got this, this crazy COVID stuff and about drove us all crazy and almost killed a bunch of us. Yeah. I mean, seriously. But, but uh, through your prayers and through the community, of, of um, who we have here. I mean, our life group, our life group's been together for, I don't know, six, probably six years, and they were the first, you know, to come uh, along beside. And then I think y'all's life group uh, ended up uh, um, uh, adopting us as well, y'all's rooted group, and, and, and brought us things. And it was just amazing. There, was, there were thousands of, of people uh, here at Journey that was praying for our family. I got so many texts and emails I tried to respond to them all. If I didn't respond to yours, it's not because I didn't love you or like you. It's just because I I didn't see it during that time. But thousands of people all around the world was praying for us, but it started right here at Journey. And I thank you for... for, uh, Thank you. Thank you for... Amen. All right, so I'm just going to ask Pastor Randy some questions on your behalf, and we're going to jump right into it. Randy, how do I get in a group? How do I get in a group? Okay, the first thing you need to do to get into a life group is you need to go through Rooted. Yeah. I mean, you just saw that testimonies from those guys right there, and we have a bunch more if you want to look at them. But Rooted is, uh, I've been, I don't know, I've been in uh, ministry for 40-something years. Yeah. And to me, it, that is, this is uh, one of the best discipleship experiences that I've ever been a part of or that I've ever seen in a church and, uh, and so this is the way you get into a life group. You don't just come into a life group, but we want you to go through Rooted because yeah. we want the DNA yeah. of, of our church. To and and uh, it's, it's, I say it's the greatest introduction to a life of following Jesus that I'm uh, aware of. And uh, he's been around 40 years of ministry. I've been around 40 years of ministry as well. So take it from both of us. This is uh, the greatest first step. It's an introduction. Uh, so Randy, somebody's going to say, Hey, I've already been through rooted. Uh, what, what do I do? Well, if you've gone through rooted, I know that some of you, uh, have been through rooted and your rooted group, uh, did not turn into a life group. Right. Uh, some of yours did praise God, uh, that yours did. But if, if, if it, uh, if it didn't, I want you to, uh, make sure that uh, you open up your email because I send everybody that's been through Rooted an email. By the way, how many of you opened up your email and saw a, 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 a group? Several. Okay. And I'm sure Lake County, online, Lake County. hopefully as well. Yeah. And so, so uh, what we want you to do, uh, your life, if, you're, if your life group turned into, uh, I mean, if your Rooted group turned into a life group, then your Rooted leader uh, will have op- an opportunity to get the Life and Rhythm books. Yeah, and this uh, is like have. Rooted 2. Yeah, this it's, is Rooted. It's, it's like a second session of Rooted only on a couple of topics that are about God's right. design for work and family. So it's not the same material that uh, you went over in the original Rooted. This is really two focuses, uh, work and family. Yeah, and so 
just sign up online uh, and, uh, and come and to be a part of that. We'll put you in, in a group, and you can do it right here. If, you're, if you are in a life group already, then your life group leaders will be able to get you that information Okay, as well. so Randy, do we have other types of groups? Yeah. What, what other kind of groups do we have? Well, we have, we have several different groups. We have one that's called Grief Share. Yeah. And a lot of people are, are dealing with grief right now. Amen. I mean, in our church. And that just got started again uh, in early August, I think, or, yeah. or second week of August or so. It's, it just started a, a new session of a Grief Share. It's meeting online right now yes. only yeah. on Monday nights. And so all you have to do to, to be a part of that is just go online, sign up for that, and, and be a part of it. They're wanting to start back meeting in person in September, but, but right now it's on Monday nights. There's, uh, there's other groups uh, that we have here. and Divorce care. Divorce care. And so um, they um, actually start this Thursday night at 630, and it is on campus yeah. here. And, and all these groups you can find at journeychristian.com support groups. journeychristian.com support groups. So if you want to take a screenshot of that, you can uh, find it there. And then uh, we've had a ministry for a long time called Journey to Christian Recovery. Right. And uh, Steve, Steve and Janet uh, Zerger lead yeah. that group along yeah. with some other folks. But, but uh, that's on Thursday evenings as well. And uh, it's kind of like this. If you've got a hurt habit or hang up, you can show up right Amen. there. And, and that's and, about all of us, isn't it? <laughs> right. So, uh, but um, these these are three other types of groups that you can be a part yeah. of. And and uh, uh, this week in midweek conversations, that's a conversation Pastor Dustin and I do uh, in the middle of the week. And and you're going to learn more about who's leading our new support our support groups and who's leading this ministry now. So we're excited to share that with you, Randy. A lot of people are concerned about getting together with other people, especially people they don't know. So online groups are really important. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about online groups. Okay, so there, uh, there will be online groups offered for Rooted as well as for Life in Rhythm. Yeah. And online for all, all of these, actually, uh, yeah. except divorce care. Okay, divorce yeah. care is not online. But uh, all you have to do is uh, to, to go uh, and sign up for something. You just, um, you just go to the Rooted registration right here on the, on the web. And if, if you've never gone through Rooted, this is the one you want to touch. Bam, right there, Rooted 1. And I don't care how long you've been a Christian. Some people say, well, I've been a Christian for X amount of years. I don't, uh, that's just for babies. No, it's not, okay? Yeah. It, it, it definitely is not. Well, it's because it's, it's more than just a study. It's an experience. It's a prayer experience. It's a dealing with your own strongholds experience. It's a serve experience. It's a share your faith. It's, it, it's experience. Randy, real quick, as we, as we wrap this up, what can I do? I mean, someone may be saying, so, so, so what can I do? Okay, well, first of all, uh, sign up if you're not a part of it uh, or haven't gone through Rooted or... Secondly, if you're wanting to, to go through Rooted 2, we really want you to sign up and do that. But I need leaders, okay? I, I do need some leaders. If you've gone through Rooted, you qualify uh, to be trained to be a leader uh, with us in those things. Because we, we and we've had over 800 people go through Rooted. Yes. And so, yeah, so, so I got a lot of, somebody out a there. Lot of qualifications yeah, out yeah, here. Yeah, we believe that. Uh, to, to be able to do that. But well, we, and as I said at the end of the message... Even if you don't think you need somebody, somebody needs you. That's the truth. So, somebody needs you right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll just tell you, I don't know what we'd have done uh, without our life group. I don't, I don't know what we'd have done without some of the other rooted groups. I don't know what um, our family would have done 
without you. And um, a lot of times we're pouring out into your life. But man, did you pour into our life. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you. I That's cannot the... tell you. And it's because, it's because we need to be connected. It's because we need each other. Yeah. I need you. I need you. And, and you need me, whether or not. And the people around you, you need them, whether or not you realize that or not. Amen. Amen. Well said, Pastor Randy. Thank you. Thanks, Randy, for sharing with us. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Everybody stand with me. Let's stand. Lake County, let's stand together. Let's stand together. Always a next step to take when you're following Jesus. And if you have a next step in mind, uh, someone uh, has been talking with you about, the Lord's prompting you by His Spirit, let us know. Go to journeychristian.com. Next steps. As always, some folks have that next step and it's being baptized, just as we saw from the rooted video, how powerful those moments are when we come to that surrender. We'd love to help you with that. Here at Apopka, you can just walk right on over to, uh, to the open baptistry door at uh, Lake County. Someone will help you out there. Pastor Roddy is there. He can help you with that. And online, Pastor Harvey Carpenter, online campus pastor. I know he would love to help you with that. So, Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to just understand once again how you designed us to live in community. We need you. We need each other. It's essential to flourishing as a human being. It's at the heart of Christian uh, gospel-centered community. We, we know we need other people. We all need other people. And somebody needs us. And so, Father, we thank you that you've designed the body to be just like that. And so, Lord, right now, we just uh, give this time to you and ask that you would just draw people to Christ and into this body. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all agreed and said. If you like this podcast, we post a new message every week. So make sure to click that follow button and share it with your friends. Remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And through Jesus, anything is possible.